Hi, I'm Todd. I'm Cassie Adams. You're listening to Sun Fountain Radio. Thank you. Doot, 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 doot. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. And this is Gabby Adams. Welcome back to episode number 247, I think, of Zen Parenting Radio. What is Zen Parenting Radio, you might ask? It's a podcast between you, sweetie, and me, and we discuss transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture to encourage laughter, self-awareness, and empathy. And our motto, sweetie, that we stole is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So... So who was the lovely person who introduced us? That was Ella. That's our friend Annie's daughter. That's right. She's Annie's a listener and a friend. She lives here in town. And I think Annie listens to um, us while her kids are in earshot. So her, she was saying that her daughter says that a lot. Yeah. And I decided that I was going to steal that audio clip and use it. <laughs> and I did get Annie's permission. So hopefully Ella enjoys hearing her voice on the show. And yes. she has a son named Liam, uh-huh. I think. She does. So if Liam wants to do something... Maybe we can do that in next week's show. Yeah, we'll be fair. So um, on this week's show, there's a new teacher that I'm taking a liking to. I just downloaded his book. His name is Jeff Foster. And I watched a real quick eight-minute YouTube clip, and I took certain parts of that clip, and I'm going to use it in today's show as a vehicle of teaching myself, yourself, sweetie, and the rest of us. Correct. Festivus for the rest for of the us. rest of us. What was that? Was a Seinfeld, right? It was. What was that all about? Well, it was Christmas, and uh, George's dad, Mister Costanza, yeah, he didn't like it, right? So he liked to. But uh, why didn't he like Christmas? Oh, he had reasons. Was it because they were Jewish or something? No, I don't remember. It was, but he he liked to uh, celebrate Festivus. <laughs> I don't really celebrate. Christmas. I um, I celebrate Festivus. Feminist. Festivus. Festivus. What is Festivus? It's nothing. It's a stupid holiday my father invented. It, it, it doesn't exist. Happy Festivus, Georgie. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rain blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen that episode. Oh, I have. Is it a good one? Yes. Okay. Um, and then you want to talk about telling stories about our pain, sweetie? I do. Well, I think it's connected to what you're going to play uh, regarding Jeff Foster. And I think that it kind of gives us some perspective on how we tell our own stories mm-hmm. about how we feel. And then somebody's birthday coming up, sweetie. You know whose birthday it is? Mine? Uh, yes, but even somebody else. Maddie? No. My Aunt Peg? Well, those are all true, but that's not who I was going for. Who? Oh. I am Malala. Malala's birthday. She's going to be 18. And she has a campaign coming up, uh, hashtag books, not bullets. And for those of you who have lived in a cave for the last few years, Malala is a somebody who just won the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, and it's crazy because I, I get emails from her and her group. And um, I mean, not directly from Malala, but you know what I mean? I get the newsletters. You and Malala are buds. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? Um, no, but I get... In emails and she in her in her email she said you know my birthday's coming up I just can't wait to be eighteen because then I can be an adult yes. I thought 
Aren't you kind of already an adult? I, I think she's braver than the majority of adults in the world. So uh, we're gonna I'm gonna play a quick clip from her trailer because she has a movie coming out. I know it's a documentary, and we're gonna bring that to Elmhurst. That is our plan. That is the plan. That even, will be our next documentary screening. Even though we don't know exactly how it's gonna work, we're gonna make it happen. We're going. We just decided we're gonna make it happen. We are. Well, uh, as I said, I've got myself on a list with educators because educators who are bringing this documentary to their classroom. And I thought, why not bring it to even a bigger yeah, group movie of people? Theater. So anywho. That's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, but our first partner is John J. Kelly, Comprehensive Dentistry. Uh, John's uh, website is chicagodentistonline.com, 773-631-6844. Uh, he helps our daughters with straightening, the, straightening their teeth while also keeping in mind their airway and facial development. So he does things a little bit differently than more, most orthodontics. So uh, give him a call if you live in the Chicagoland area. So now, um, do we want to start with Jeff Foster, sweetie? Sure. So, um, you know, on my Facebook feed, you get a million things. And for some reason, I clicked on this. So I didn't even know who Jeff Foster was. Well, can I say something sure. before? Sure. Um, he's been around for a while. And the first person that introduced me to him was Annie mm-hmm. uh, Burnside, yeah. another Annie in our lives. And part of the reason that she he really spoke to her and in turn, he ended up speaking to me is because he writes about... Uh, being human, and I guess you can call it spirituality, but um, in a very down-to-earth way. He doesn't try and have some kind of I know more than everybody else yeah. kind of attitude, and he also doesn't point to um, having mystical experiences and then therefore you've reached some kind of spirituality, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, well, level. You and I get attracted to teachers who are very human and grounded. Yes. Because there's a lot of wonderful teachers who are kind of floating away a little bit. Well, a lot of times when you get into a field and you start to gain a lot of knowledge, which is hopefully the, the goal, you start to really believe that you know more than other people. And now you may have more knowledge as far as you've read more, you know, definitely in this area that we're talking about. I consider myself someone who has a lot of knowledge to share but when I start to get in that place where you think, well, I understand this, but other people don't, right. that's when you're starting to separate yourself from other people right. because everybody has a way of understanding the bigger picture and the wider view. Mm-hmm. And really our goal or our hope as teachers is to wake people up to themselves, yeah. not to our way of doing things. Exactly. And Jeff Foster has a really nice touch. Um, he speaks beautifully and eloquently, but in a very normal, normal, yeah, yeah very tangible, Re- relatable, relatable. Yeah. So this is off of his Facebook page. Jeff Foster studied astrophysics at Cambridge University in his mid twenties. After a long period of depression and illness, he became addicted to the idea of spiritual enlightenment and embarked on an intensive spiritual quest for the ultimate truth of existence. Sounds familiar. It does. <laughs> Um, the spiritual search came crashing down with the clear recognition of the non-dual nature of everything and the discovery of the extraordinary in the ordinary. So can I say something sure. to that? Is Personally, that really rings true for me because I think sometimes um, when this is our line of work, and we could probably say this in other lines of work, um, you know, I've studied studied these things for a long time is we start to kind of hang our hat on knowledge Mm -hmm. and we say, well, I have all this information and we kind of use all this, the knowledge in our brain to help us get out of any feeling that we're having, help us escape from things. It becomes another kind of addiction. Yeah. 
And what ended up happening to me, which I've shared on this show and I've written about it, is I really had kind of a I, – I thought I was so spiritually aware and I had a spiritual breakdown, which was um, being totally brought to my knees about I don't know anything mm. and how um, – What's the word? Free, freeing, that is? Yeah, liberating. To liberating to be like, yes, I have read a lot of things and I understand this, but when it, con- when it, when it comes down to it, I don't – everyone's just doing what they can yeah. do. And that mindfulness, that was like the big awareness of mindfulness, which Jeff doesn't always use that word, but that whole idea that it's just right now yeah. and right here and all this information about here's how you do it and here's how it works, we're just trying to help – he's just trying to help people wake up. To this moment, yep. and and again, that may sound just as mystical as another thing. Right. Um, but the point is, is I think some of the best teachers, <laughs> and I guess I'm saying this about myself, have kind of uh, had their egos bruised in major ways, and yeah. been brought to their knees, yeah. because that's really the way that you can get rid of thinking that there's a hierarchy. Yeah, no hierarchy, sweetie. Well, I'm not a big fan of that. I know. You like the word guru, though. No, I don't. We talked about this last week. I don't, I do not. Oh. oh. That is the definition of hierarchy. Yeah. That you cannot make choices. you want, I'll be your guru for a while. Okay, thanks. That's what I'm here for. Okay. So um, this is an eight-minute YouTube clip, which we're obviously not going to play eight minutes of it, but we're going to play a minute from the beginning to give you, to set the stage, and then a minute in the middle, which I think is especially powerful. But uh, let me set the stage. It is a he's sitting in front of a class or a workshop. There's a bunch of people, and I'm sure that this is the question and answer part of it. So we're going to play about a minute of the beginning. So here we go, Jeff Foster. And the name of the YouTube clip is called Reframing the Path of Healing. I need to heal, and I've been on this journey for Mm. more than 20 years. Mm. And I come here today, and I'm still crying it still hurts i mean it's okay yeah i mean it's it's okay yeah i still feel it here so yeah so (laughs) this word still still this is a huge thing this is a this is a huge one still this this is always the this is the voice of the mind why after all the after all these years, after all the healing, after all the courses, after all the retreats, after all the book, after all the evolution, after all my, why am I still feeling this? That's that's one of the uh, that's one of the big stories of the mind, one of the voices is, after all these years, after all I've done, after all my insight and my clarity and my healing, why am I still feeling this? sadness why am i still feeling this this burning why why still so So, um i relate to that because i remember about a month ago i was struggling or maybe six weeks ago and i said why do i feel like i'm kind of spinning my wheels like i have all these tools at my disposal yet i'm still worrying my tail off about stupid stuff like money like i relate to this woman like i feel like i've read enough books I've gone to enough speakers, and yet I am still struggling with these things as if I never learned any of it. Right, right. Well, uh, you and I talked about this a little bit um, the other day, and I'll just kind of share the the processing that we did, is one of my favorite teachers, one of the things she taught me, um, or helped me see visually, because as I always say, I I see it visually, is how every piece of us 
um, every emotion, every experience, whatever. They're almost like children living inside of us. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who's done um, inner child work, which is a definition of a type of therapy, they'll know what this is. But you don't really have to do inner child work to understand this. Can you describe what that means? Yes, I will. Basically, it just means that there's a lot of different experiences and a lot of different feelings moving around inside of us. And they're all pieces of us that some of them are mature and some of them are immature. And we don't get rid of them. Mm-hmm. They they live inside of us forever. Like, And why that's important to understand is because I started to visualize a lot of the pain that I have or have had in the past that I've wanted to be like, why am I not rid of this? I've talked this yep. through. I've worked this through. I've done all this therapy. And it's because it lives in me. Now, what does that mean? That means that I have to see it for what it is and recognize that it's not something I'm going to just get rid of and say, you no longer belong. It's about integrating it and accepting that piece of yourself. Mm -hmm. And the more you can do that, the less it needs to scream and shout. Because really when we're having like bursts and tantrums and sadness and anger and depression, it's trying to speak. Mm -hmm. This piece of you is trying to be heard and seen and it's trying to speak. And what I've realized is that even though I have been able to develop other tools that um, that help soothe that part of ourself, that part of myself, those pieces never go away, and that's a good thing. Right. That's my life story. Right. You don't get to say I keep this, I don't keep this. Sorry. And the the one thing that uh, Thich Nhat Han said, uh, one of his quotes is that sadness or that fear in you is like the little brother or sister Mm -hmm. of your joy. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Your joy nurtures that part of you. And it instead of pushing it away and saying, you don't belong here, it holds it and it allows it to express itself while maintaining it and not letting it go out of control. And again, that may sound too controlling for some, you know, that in itself is a practice, but, you know, for those of you who have seen Inside... Uh, Inside Out, the Pixar movie, that's exactly what the end result of that movie is. And I hope, I don't think I'm giving too much away here, that sadness is an essential piece of us and sadness belongs. And sadness plays a role and joy befriends sadness Mm -hmm. and understands how all the pieces work and that just because you still have stress or anxiety or sadness doesn't mean you haven't done any work. Yeah. Sometimes, at least in my own experience, the when I was doing a lot of work, a lot of crap came up. Mm-hmm. And so I can – and I think that's been true with you too. And I'm, I'm saying that as an outsider. I don't know if you would agree with that. But when you are doing a lot of deep soul searching, sometimes things get harder for a time. You want to know why? Because you've released those things. You've allowed them to come to the surface rather than pushing them down. Right. Well, and my, uh, you just, one of the quotes you just said is that joy befriends sadness. Mm-hmm. And while I know my heart, that makes sense and that's true, I, you know, the duality of how can, you know, I feel like joy and sadness, and you're explaining that this is why it's not true, but it's got to be one or the other. Like I'm either feeling joy or I'm feeling sadness. And you're saying, can you feel both at the same time? Or can you accept both? It's not about that you have to simultaneously feel them both, even though in my deepest grief, I have felt the lightest, mm-hmm. which to some 
sounds crazy. Right. But when I am in a deep place of grieving, I feel a, and when I say light, I mean it like as a visual light. I, I understand the deeper inner workings of myself. Got it. I say that because there was a time that I felt that the only way I could touch that deeper inner working or that light within me was to constantly find things to grieve about. Mm. That when I was first working with one of our teachers, I felt as if I always had to be digging and picking at some kind of scab. Yeah, removing another removing layer. Removing another layer. And I, because I could, within that, I could tap into that deep, 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 like below right. joy. And I started to learn through my own experience and peer relationships and a bunch of other things that came into my life that you can access joy through joy right. too. That's a whole nother place. But what I, what I think that happened to all of us and is continuing to happen to our children because we're repeating this is our society has taught us that any kind of sadness or depression or any kind of discomfort or that's just bad. Right. You got to get rid of it. Avoid it. If you have it, there's something wrong with you. Numb it out. Numb it out. Um, People won't like you. People won't want to be around you. And we've taken that and put that on ourselves, which is damaging, and then we judge other people on Mm. it. So then we project what we're doing to ourselves. So then we'll look at someone and we'll be like, oh, they've been sad for like two weeks. They need to get over it. Mm. Or gosh, that person is, you know, I can't believe they're crying about this. Or our children. Oh, I can't believe my child is crying. They're going into third grade. Shouldn't they be used to this by now? Right. No. Who, Who told you that? Who told you that everybody has a certain way they need to be? Right. And that the only emotion that is acceptable is positive ones. Positive ones. I understand why people think that because just by the nature of the word, mm-hmm. they feel better, right? Positive rules. I love positive. Everybody does. But that the big but, but is But you can't hate negative. And, and having And the, negative isn't the right word. It isn't. And crying is the release of something, and then at the end you feel better. Or saying painful things out loud is the release, and then you feel better. You know, on our some of our old shows, we used to talk about emotional vomiting. Mm-hmm. And emotional vomit is 99% of the time uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. That's what you're vomiting. Yeah. Thus the word vomit, because nobody likes to throw up. Right. But when you do, is when you're sick, I mean, when you're doing it in a way that your body is making the choice, it's that's what needs to happen. Yeah. And so I think, Todd, that you, if I was going to analyze you as your wife, I think that you are very uncomfortable with uncomfortable feelings. Well, an uh, example is we had a few days in Galena uh, last week. And they were wonderful. Like we worked a little bit and we had fun and we played with the kids. And then on 4th of July, I was seeing all these pictures and we didn't have any plans for the 4th of July. And I was seeing the all these- date. The actual day. And I saw these pictures and these people are at their lake houses and they got their fireworks set up. And we were just driving home from Galena and I'm like, wow, what's wrong with me? Like, why, why don't we have any plans for the 4th of July? <laughs> and you're like, we just came from- four days of, you know, pure joy and luxury. But my, but I'm like, but it's the 4th of July and we have to do something. And we right. ended up calling our good friends and we went to see fireworks and all that. But it was just funny. Like I was just focusing on what I wasn't getting versus the four days that I was getting. And that was a funny conversation because I knew one thing I, you and I have learned is that like for spring break and for like, you know, for vacations, 
we don't need to go anywhere big, mm-hmm. but the whole intention I think of a vacation or having a few days is getting out of your norm. Right. And so one of my personal, um, you know, goals is that I don't care where we go. And we, our family has a house in Galena, so it's very easy for us to go there. And I had made a decision like a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, for 4th of July, we're going to go away. And not only are we going to go away, but we're still going to have time to work. Um, I invited my niece and nephew to come so they could entertain our children. We had all these activities planned. Like I really put some thought into it. <laughs> and I did that for us, not just for me, but for all of us. Right. And then that was why that conversation, and I didn't get angry when you said it, but when we're driving home from four or five days of that kind of, you know, and you said, well, what are we going to do for 4th of July? Mm-hmm. And I thought, what? what's wrong with now that we've done all that, having this day to ourselves. And you were honest by saying you right away caught yourself and you're like, God, you're like, I keep thinking, um, what's next? Yeah. And I said, yeah, we all have, I mean, I'm not immune to that. So I totally get what you were saying, but it was a, it was an interesting conversation and we kind of did a middle of the road instead of thinking we have to do something grand. We're going to, yeah, like I said, let's go into the city. And I was like, are you kidding me? Sweetie, there's nobody down there. Nobody in Chicago on 4th of July. I used to go to 4th of July. I used to go to Chicago for 4th of July in my twenties and it was miserable because everybody's down there. Plus the Grateful Dead was here this weekend. So that was crazy. And I was like, go into Chicago with our children. And to me, after coming off a week of that kind of vacation, even though of course it's vacation, you're still like tired. You know what I mean? Like kind of, we've done a lot of work. You got me out on a river for crying in the dark. That's right. I was kayaking. You're a a kayaker. You kayaked. And so I was kind of like, but anyway, your point is I'm a lot like you, you know, you're, everybody can relate to that. What's next? Mm -hmm. Oh, great. I did all this, but what's next? And that's the thing, the rhythm too. Interesting that Jeff Foster, I just saw something that he posted. He's he's uh, he's a big part of this show today. He said, there's a very fine line between loneliness and loveliness. Mm. And when we are feeling lonely, what we're really feeling is disconnected to ourselves, yeah. disconnected from ourselves. Yeah. So when you are feeling lonely, the practice, instead of filling that void with other people and things, is to sit with yourself and to find to go into that place where you realize that l- below-level joy mm-hmm. that we were talking about before. Right. But sometimes you need to give yourself enough, t- uh, enough time to be with it because our brain is always going a mile a minute. So right. if you're... If, if you're like, oh, I'm lonely and you don't give yourself a, an opportunity to kind of settle in, right. then you think something's wrong. Of course. And you think that you should be doing – and then you do something like get on social networking and see a bunch of people together and you think, oh, I'm, I don't have anything. I don't have anybody. These people are having fun. I'm not. And if there's one thing that we can – everybody say this to yourself as I'm saying this. Those are pictures. Yeah. Those are seconds in time where after that picture was taken, everyone may have started yelling at each other, mm-hmm. retreating, or maybe they're having a great time. And that's fine, too. I'm not saying it has to be all negative. But do not formulate your life around what you're seeing because we all know that it is a story. And and part of it, part of the, the pictures that I love 
for social networking are, this is a moment that's important to me. Right. You know what I mean? Rather than I'm going to share a moment so everybody gets a story. Right. This is something like I posted, I don't post a lot on my personal page, but I did post that picture of us kayaking because mm-hmm. that's a big deal for me yeah. to like spend, you know, like that's a, that's like, I want to remember this. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a subtle difference. For sure. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying one's right or wrong. I'm just saying for me, that's yeah. how it works. But I just think that your, um, it, I actually wanted to read to you the, the book of awakening quote. Oh, yeah. Can I go get that real quick? Sure. Um, I also want to play the rest of his response too. So play that and I'm going to get the book. All right, go get it. Oh, I thought, I thought one day I'd be free from you. And in the, in a way, these, these are all your children. The, the, the rage as much as the, the sorrow, as much as the doubt, as much as the, the joy. They're all, they're all your children, you know, and, and, and they, they come to you. They come to you, not to punish you, not, not to show you how much you failed, but because you are their home. So quickly we, we, we ask, we go, ah, oh, so because sadness is here, I must be doing something wrong. I must be so far from healing. How do I get from here to healing? So, I've got it. <laughs> sadness, sadness, sadness does not want to be healed. It wants to be held. Sadness does not want to be healed. It wants to be held. Which is the healing, ironically. Very profound. It is. And um, that's it. I mean, I, f- I feel like that's it. I feel like another way of saying that is what you resist persists. Like the minute that you feel lonely or sad or frustrated or anger and you want it to go away, that energy that you expend on wanting it to go away will only strengthen it. Right. Versus allowing it to sit there mm-hmm. and to be held. I just thought that was a beautiful way of putting it. And it kind of gave me like next time I'm feeling mad or frustrated or sad or whatever, instead of saying 4th of July, instead of saying, well, what's our problem? How come we don't have any big plans on 4th of July? It is, this is the way I'm feeling right now. And it's okay. It is. Absolutely. Instead of you got to like react and eliminate it. And, and that's actually what we did, but I don't necessarily think that was unhealthy. Like I, we, we made some plans, some spontaneous plans. Well. But it, we would have done that anyways. Yeah. Like I, I didn't, I don't really correlate. I don't put the two together, meaning that I wasn't like, oh, I need to fill this hole. So let's, no, was, we just naturally decided to do something. Right. We had been home for three or four hours. Right. And we're like, let's call our good friends. You were feeling a certain way and it came up for you. And Zen Parenting 201 or 301 is first to understand that you're having that feeling. Right. And that most likely that feeling is based in something old. Mm. What that means is both of those things happening at once give you a better perspective of yourself. Number one is I'm feeling like I need to fill this time. Even though I've been gone for four or five days, 
it's 4th of July. I'm feeling like I need to fill this time. What's wrong with us that we haven't filled this time? And that is a very old childhood pattern of yours, which you you shared with me. Oh, yeah. So you understand the emotion has its place because the emotion is speaking to you about something old. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying we need to heal it and get rid of it, we need to understand it and accept it and not necessarily react to it. Right. Do you see, do you feel all those differences? Right. And, you know, to be able to kind of go back, like, where does this, um, inability to sit still to just be, be, and I don't know where, you know, I don't know. I'm always a busybody. Not always. I'm actually less a busybody now than I was five years ago. But, um, you know, as a child, I mean, I, I couldn't sit still for a minute. And and again, we don't need to hash all this out right now, but don't, I feel like just knowing you as a child, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you guys being sitting still in your home wasn't always easy. Yeah. Sometimes bad things happen when we sat still. Right. So what's the best thing to do? Invite other people, mm-hmm. have them around, yep. um, have a plan, yep. get out of the house. So you learned that was a form of safety. Right. Yeah. Just to give you um, some perspective on what Kathy's talking about is whenever, as a family, when uh, we went to visit friends at a lake or whatever, we would always bring a friend with. And the reason I push for that is because it made it less likely that my parents were going to argue with each other. Correct. So another person, another energy was a buffer, and it was my way of ensuring that they weren't going to fight. And what Todd does is he brings that old belief system into our present day situation when that's not an issue anymore. Correct. So when he's like, we need to have other people here, we need to invite other people, we need to make this, I don't understand that. Mm -hmm. And we now, no, that's not the right thing. I do understand it, but I don't need that, nor do you really need it in the present moment. You're just reacting from a childhood experience. So that's why I'm saying it's 301, because what Jeff Foster is saying is recognize your feelings, recognize that they live in you, that they all have a place. Why are they coming up? Because they belong to you. Mm -hmm. And when you see them, I think my my teacher who helped me understand to look at them as children, then you're less likely to be so volatile with them. Right. Because they're kids. Mm -hmm. They're immature aspects of yourself that just want to be heard. And like you said, the more they're heard, the less they will persist. Because once you're seen and once you you know you have a place, you don't need to rage about it. And the thing that you, that we can do simultaneously while accepting those uncomfortable pieces is also develop tools to f- to find ways to be still and to notice these things and to release releasing rage doesn't mean getting rid of it right. forever right. it means in that moment how can i allow this feeling that's obviously real to not affect my behavior right. or the rest of my day right can i allow the anger to come up And then allow it to go back out. Yeah, let it come in and let it go. That's right. And that's what meditation is. In the practice of meditation is sitting and seeing things come up and letting them go. And seeing things. So again, as we always say, meditation is the muscle building for everyday experience. And so when people say, well, I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want to be angry anymore. Sorry. That's the way it goes. Right. But when they come up, what do you do next? And for Todd, you know, in this experience we're using... When he is really uncomfortable with, it's a holiday, we need to be more active on this day, 
can the the, the process is wow this is interesting mm-hmm. why am i feeling so strongly about this right. and it doesn't mean that getting together with people are right or wrong we don't have to say well then the right you, thing to do would be just to sit in stillness the rest of the night right if you can acknowledge why you're having the experience you are and be intentional then the end result is not right. it's not that right it's the intentionality about how you're progressing rather than what the end result is right exactly um do you want to read the book of awakenings quote well i did i i found this before you do that let me can okay. we throw a quick sure, uh, plug in for our second partner tree of life chiropractic care go ahead. um 630-941-8733 it's chirotree.com dr kelly is an amazing chiropractor so if you live in the chicagoland area she is your doctor so give her a buzz Great. So um, this one that I'm reading is for July 6th in Mark Nepo's book of Awakening, uh, which I love and I go through every year. Um, And I thought this was interesting for two reasons. Number one, because it's talking about exactly what we're talking about on the show here. And number two, I think this is one of the things that um, Todd, when, when an issue comes up between us, Todd wants to figure out how to make it never happen again. Yeah. And while... Be rid of it. And while there's... I I respect that and understand it. And again, I'm not that different than that. I think that this will give you different perspective. So it's called to witness and hold. We have been battered by modern times into obsessive problem solvers. But as life pairs us down to only what's essential, it becomes clear that the deepest sufferings of heart and spirit cannot be solved, only witnessed and held. This is him talking again. I have struggled with this constantly. Just recently, after being away for two weeks, I returned to a tender partner who lovingly uttered, I really missed you. Instantly, I reacted by scanning for ways to solve the feeling, to limit my travel, or to call more often. I instantly tried to change my patterns of being away from the relationship rather than just feel the poignancy of being loved enough to be missed. Frequently, this reflects to solve, rescue, and fix, removes us from the tenderness at hand, for often intimacy arises not from any attempt to take the pain away, but from living through it together, not from working it out, but from being with. Trust and closeness deepen from holding and being held, both emotionally and physically. I'm learning, pain by pain, tension by tension, that after all the strategies fail, the strength of love awaits in receiving, not in negotiating, but in accepting each other, not in problem solving each other, but in listening and affirming each other without trying to change or fix those we love. Mm. Isn't that so relevant? It is. And if that could be the starting point instead of, because his reaction is the same that mine would be, which is how do I fix this? Right. And if you start with that reaction and then maybe eventually work out certain ways, but you know, it's the cart before the horse. It is. And, and that they both have to be, it doesn't mean when we share something that we say, well, I don't need to change anything. They just need to be heard, Mm -hmm. whatever. It is an opportunity for a discussion of how things can be different. But I think that it's all about, again, the intention. I think that sometimes what I feel from you, when I tell you I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with that is you will actually say verbatim, how can we keep this from ever happening again? Mm -hmm. And we can't. Right. But and you understand my motivation to either limit it or a li- Of course. Right. Because any human being would want to limit discomfort right. or arguments. Yeah. But when we accept that it's okay, this is what we talked about on last week's show, mm-hmm. 
having the discussion is okay. And I think the fear we have is I don't ever want to have that discussion again because it was uncomfortable. Right. And what did we learn from Steve and his son? Be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. That instead of trying to avoid discussions mm-hmm. and I'm going to do everything I can and follow this plan so nothing ever happens, do your best to do that. And yeah. our best is different every right. day. And then know that if an uncomfortable discussion comes up, we can tolerate it. Yeah. But both partners or a friendship or whatever have to be on board with that. Which is really sometimes not so easy to have two people on board with the allowance. With the allowance and understanding that just because you've had a discussion about something doesn't mean you will never have that discussion again. And as parents, we need to understand that with our children, just because we've talked with them about something important doesn't mean they won't make that mistake. Right. And what we end up doing is we say, oh, I told you how, I can't believe you did this. After I told you and after we discussed it, I can't believe you did this. Well, I mean, that may come out in your anger, mm-hmm. but then can you soften that and understand that understand that we all do that yep. all the time? Yeah. And that age? Well, in a way, we hold kids up to a higher regard. Like we think that they're supposed to be um, better than us when we're doing the exact same thing. Exactly. And I think it's because we feel the sense of responsibility for them and we want to check it off our list. Mm-hmm. Okay, sex talk, done. Yeah. Now they won't have sex. Right. Well... It doesn't always work that way. Right. And what we have to be open to is the discussion and, and allowing it to mold partly with what you said, a more lo- logical way. Yeah. Let's make a new plan, but also a more hands-off way of let's hear each other and not be afraid of these conversations. Right. And let's kind of just... Well, it's the energy that you bring to any exchange with your partner. And if it is one of defensiveness or... Uh, it's going to be a rough go of it. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. It isn't. And when we, you know, and this is where I have a lot of um, understanding that if, if males are raised to be more problem solvers, or if that is necessary, if that is indeed a genetic thing where men tend to be more problem solvy and women are too. But I think that sometimes because men don't have the kind of fluid relationships that women often do, that they really come at any issue with how can I tackle this? I'm even using a sports terminology. How can I tackle this? How can I take this on versus interesting? Mm -hmm. Let's contemplate this. Let's discuss it. How do you discuss it? How do you see this? What, how do I, a lot of times it's just, let's rid ourselves of it. Right. And, um, and again, I could be, I hear about couples that are the exact opposite. The male is more focused on... Role reversal. Exactly. So it's not always a uh, gender thing. Yeah. Go either way. So, okay. Um, All right. So we... uh, That was a long discussion. So did you want to talk about stories about your pain or do you want to save it? Um, It just depends on how much time we have. I I kind of want to do Malala and then I think that we can have to... Or we have to do one more thing and then we got to finish up. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and do Malala and we'll save this for another day. All right. So Malala has... um, uh, she's doing a uh, hashtag books, not bullets. And she wants to show world leaders that you that we believe in education, not the military. Uh, and it's a better investment in our future. And she has some interesting stats. If the whole world stops spending money on the milita- military for just eight days, just eight days, okay. sweetie, we could have the $39 billion needed to provide 12 years of free quality education to every child on the planet. Wow. 
Does that give you an idea of how our priorities are a little bit out of whack? Yeah, we, we kind of go from fear. So Malala asks us, stand with her now and show world leaders that you choose books, not bullets. Post a photo of yourself holding up your favorite book now and share why you choose books, not bullets, and why world leaders should too. So um, we'll include some information on our uh, show notes as well. But um, I also wanted to play about a minute of her trailer because it's pretty good. Um, I, obviously, you're not getting the visual, but the audio is pretty powerful. And before you play that, sure, just ahead. so you guys know, the documentarian who did Waiting for Superman, which was about education and An Inconvenient Truth, correct? Did uh, he do that too? I believe so. Um, which was the, you know, climate change did this documentary. So um, here we go. There's a moment when you have to choose whether to be silent or to stand up. Tonight, Malala remains in intensive care. She was shot in the head for daring to suggest girls should go to school. Me and my wife, we cried all the night. The doctors told me she will survive, but she may not be the same as she was. They shot me on the left side of my head. They thought that the bullet would silence us. I am the same Malala. I'm still 17. I'm still a teenager. She's a little bit naughty, a little bit that much. Who would you have been if you were just an ordinary girl from the Swat Valley? I'm still an ordinary girl. But if I had an ordinary father and an ordinary mother, then I would have two children now. This is my youngest brother. He's a really good boy. This is the laziest one. <laughs> my father said, have you forgiven them? You've never felt angry? No. I want people to learn from the experience I had. Very nice to see and, you. Uh, nice to see you. A woman is more powerful than me. <laughs> In this new school, it's hard. Physics, 61%. Sweetie, she got a 61% in her physics class. I physics can you imagine. Um, what's great about this documentary is it brings the humanity of her. She's just a normal girl. She's just a girl. And she just, there are certain things that, just were more important than other things yep. and how that translate into translates into the life that she's led. And the, one of the, my favorite parts of that um, piece that you just played is where she said, I am an average girl, but if my father or my mother were average, I would have two children by now. It's crazy. So you see that this is not an individual effort. Yeah. This, and, and I, and, I've seen uh, Malala's father's TED talk, yeah. and he talks about how he named Malala Malala because that's a that's a girl who um, who died for standing what she believes standing in. for what she believes in, and he he didn't do that necessarily because he foresaw all of this. Mm -hmm. He just wanted his daughter yeah. to be strong yeah. in her convictions and who she is, and that's shown up in its own way. Yeah. And so he doesn't, the father, for as much he set the stage and the groundwork for this, he doesn't take responsibility no, for this. No, no. Um, so that is, the name of the movie is called He Named Me Malala. It's due out this fall, and we are going to bring it to Elmhurst. That's our goal. Don't know the date yet, but we're working on it. So uh, last but not least, sweetie. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Do you have any entries in the t Tournament of bad? We had one. I have one. Okay, let's hear it. I think it's one that we had together. Mosquitoes. Brutal. Brutes. Brutal. We were out uh, watching the women's uh, soccer, U.S. World Cup. Be Amazing, Beat Japan. Amazing. Can I say something about that real quick? Sure. I'm sorry to ruin Tournament of Bad. No, but you're fine. But I was teary 
watching the beginning of that game because those stands and I and again I know this happens for World Cup everywhere and I'm not naive to that but to see women's soccer US and the stands were full and everyone was so into it and everybody around everywhere is watching it and there's bars full of people and those are women Mm -hmm. and I say that not with oh can you believe women could do it of course they can they do it all the time but for it to be in the mainstream for it to be as yes as as big of a deal I and to see her when Carly Lloyd got that first um, goal and they'd like slow motioned her face I could get, I could cry thinking about it. I thought, how many girls are seeing that? Yeah, and are like, I could do that. And when you don't see people that look like you, meaning females, having yeah. those experiences, it's very hard to. It's not impossible, but it's it's harder to visualize it. And I just got really teary. Sweetie, so. you got to see it to be it. You got to see it to be it. So congratulations to U.S. Women's Soccer. And uh, what about the award ceremony? Any thoughts <laughs> about that? Well, we kind of had deep thoughts about how. For those of you who saw it, that the people who brought out the awards were the women medals. in black tight dresses. Yeah. It was very strange. I think they should have had a bunch of kids soccer players do it. Or I think they could have or a had bunch men of, and women. Or a bunch of uh, like beefcake guys just to make fun of the way we have it. For reals. Have a bunch of guys like from whatever. Whatever. It was a sharp contrast it to sure what was. had happened on the field. Yes. Uh, I saw a friend of mine posted uh, this specifically. A friend, Allison, posted, um, you play like a girl, mm-hmm. and then you have women come out in black tight dresses. And not that, I, I mean, at the same time, I understand there's nothing wrong with wearing a black dress and being a woman and being feminine. It was just such a sharp contrast. It was interesting. Um, and we do have a, uh, we got a new iTunes review from Maddie E. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but thank you, Maddie E. She says ZPR rocks and gave us five stars. Well, you know what I liked about hers is she's not a mom. No, she's not. But she likes it. She has a husband who listens to the show and there've been so many inspiring things that we've applied from your show that grow and deepen our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because I, Maddie, when Todd read me your review, um, I said she gets it because Mm -hmm. it's not just about parenting. Parenting is taught in my sneaky way of uh, having these conversations so people will listen um, because most of the time uh, people feel so motivated to be the best parent they can be that they will go out there and find information. Right. Um, but really it's about your everyday life. Yep. Parenting, I you know, thank goodness is a motivator, but it's about your relationships and your friends and your work. And so I'm glad that you are keen to that. So uh, thank you, Maddie E. And uh, please consider giving us an iTunes review because it helps us uh, reach more listeners out there. So um, our last partner, Sweetie, is Avid Company. They uh, paint and remodel throughout the Chicagoland area. Uh, the number is 630-956-1800. The owner is a friend and very good, honest, professional man named Jeremy Kraft, and he's a bald-headed beauty. So thank you to Avid. Yes. Um, anything else you want to add before we depart ways? Nothing new. Nothing new. Um, Thank you for sharing our show, telling a friend, giving us an iTunes review, buying your book on uh, Amazon. Living what you want your kids to learn. Good summer reading. That's right. Um, Words of wisdom? Um, I think that my words of wisdom today will be honor all the pieces of yourself, recognize why they're there and how they've helped you live or helped you learn something, and... If you accept them and see them and give them that voice, they don't need to scream and shout. Nice job, sweetie. I'll say uh, sun's out, gun's out. (laughs) 
Adios. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.